define success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, you all, and welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. My guest today is a native of the city of Graz, Austria, just 45 minutes from the Austrian border with Slovenia. Uh, my guest is Hannes Kovac, president and CEO of Opus Corporation. Good morning, Hannes. We get in and... Good morning, ausgezeichnet. Thank you, David. <laughs> uh, thank you for being my guest this wonderful morning. Uh, it is a wonderful morning, finally, in Calgary after all the snow we had here. So, a uh, great view from your office. Thank you for hosting us here. Uh, before I start uh, with uh, my interview, uh, we'd like to find out more about your journey from the, you know, Alps to the Rockies, I would say. Uh, and I'll share a little bit of your bio uh, with our listeners before I really start kind of diving with you into questions. Um, as I mentioned, you were born, oh, you're born in Graz, by the way? Yes. Yes. Uh, so we, I know we, you live there. And in 1995, uh, you graduated with a master's in law from the Karl Franzens University in Graz. Uh, and between 95 and 97, you went to do your postgraduate uh, studies in international criminal law at the University of Antwerp in Belgium. Yes. So all over Europe you traveled to, to study. Yeah, I guess I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1995, you also immigrated to Canada. And in 1997, you were brought to Calgary by the company that uh, you now own since 2008, Opus Corporation. That is correct. So our research is working, you mean? <laughs> uh, Hennis was awarded the Calgary Downtown Vitality Award and the Leader of Tomorrow Award. This award recognizes his contribution to the Calgary business community. He's a member of the Entrepreneurs' Organization as well as the Young President's Organization. By the way, until what age is young? Well, I guess I just aged out. Uh, <laughs> I see. Uh, Hannes sits on the board of uh, Northern Vision Development, Calgary Film Center, and Calgary Economic Development. Um, he's also a great contributor to the community, having participated in the Easter Seals uh, Rappel Challenge and the Sir, Sir Edmund Hillary Foundation Calgary Tower Rappel. Other causes you have supported... Uh, and I can't even mention all of them because the list is long, but a few that I uh, will mention are In From the Cold, Safe Haven, Right to Conquer Cancer, uh, Alzheimer's Society, and many more. Um, your Hannes is married to Martha, and you, they have three boys. That is correct. Uh, ages? 14, 12, and 10. Oh, wow. So you have to update your uh, website because it says 12, 10, and 8. I guess that was done two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, usually now I start asking you questions about your past, about your history, about uh, living in Graz, but, you know, you can't ignore what's going on in the world today. With And I'm talking about the Winter Olympics. There's no politics on my show. <laughs> Only local, maybe. Uh, but I want to talk about the Olympics uh, that takes place these days in South Korea. Um, do you know how many medals Austrian athletes won in the Winter versus Summer Olympics? Uh, in total? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. You want to know? Uh, yes. So, what do you? What is your guess? More summer or more winter? 
Um, I would say more winter. So winter 280 medals, summer 86 medals. Okay. Well. <laughs> now, do you know which sport Austria won more medals than any other nation? Alpine skiing. That's correct. 140 in total. Are you? Did you do any alpine skiing? Um, yes, I think Austrians are born with skiing boots on their legs. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, in uh, 1964, 1976, Austria hosted the Winter Olympics in Innsbruck, yes. which I was there in '84 for my honeymoon. Great locate, great place. And now there is a debate in Calgary, and you as a businessman. What is your take on whether we should host and bid for the 2026 Winter Olympics? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to have an opinion. And uh, I think the city council and the mayor uh, have a tough decision ahead because you can't, you can't go into this half pregnant. Um, and economic stimulus in the current environment that Calgary has uh, would be definitely a positive. Having said, the big question mark is where's the funding going to come from? The billions of dollars Olympics typically cost. So is the provincial and the federal government prepared to step up uh, to put uh, Calgary on the international stage? And I think the equally important question to ask is uh, how are we sharing with the IOC uh, in the revenue stream that is created uh, through the marketing rights for such a great uh, event. And uh, if that can be ironed out and figured out and uh, a business case can be analyzed that speaks for a profitable Olympics and uh, Calgary getting its fair stake or his fair share, then I'm absolutely for it. If it's something that costs uh, a lot of money and leaves uh, empty venues behind, then uh, I'm against it. So I think I'd like to see the numbers. Talking about empty venues, I think one of the advantages Calgary has is since we hosted in 88, we have a lot of venues, we just need to refresh them and we need a good construction company to do that. So if you know anything, but your answer was very politically correct. And I, that's not my show. I, I'm leaving if you're continuing like this. Should we bid and host? <laughs> uh, what did you know about Calgary before 88? Or your family, what did you know about Calgary before 88? Well, I knew a lot about Calgary just because uh, uh, Calgary was put on the map by my father uh, and he uh, went uh, to heliski uh, on a, maybe not yearly basis, but uh, a number of times and uh, he would go and come here and he would land in Calgary and then uh, they would uh, go out and ski with Hans Moser, the founder of Canadian Mountain Holidays. Uh, Hans Moser is no longer alive, he passed away a number of years ago. I had the pleasure of skiing with Hans when I first came to Canada and so I knew where Calgary was very well and uh, the Canadian powder and the Champagne powder and the Rocky Mountains, uh, you know, Calgary is at the doorstep. I think generally though, uh, when you say you're from Calgary, even today, um, people in Europe, you know, they know Vancouver, they know Montreal, uh, they know Toronto, um, but a lot of people don't know where Calgary is. They know it's the eagle. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, it's time for us to learn a little bit more about you. So, uh, I, I don't think a lot of Calgarians know about Graz. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people in North America don't know about Graz. So, what can you share with us about, uh, you know, the city of Graz, the, its claim to fame, uniqueness? Yeah, um, 
Well, I'm going to give you the the politically correct part of my response first, just to, to just is, to tempt you. This is a second warning. <laughs> um, so Graz was the European uh, 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 art capital uh, in 2008. So it was famous for that. It is also its old city center is a world uh, heritage site dedicated by UNESCO. So Graz, because we didn't have a lot of heavy industry, and uh, it's in the southern part of Austria wasn't considered strategically important uh, in the Second World War. Its old city center and the beautiful old buildings were less destroyed than the typical destruction that happened during the Second World War. It's also the uh, biggest university town in, um, in, uh, in Austria in relationship to its inhabitants. So How many people live in Graz? Graz has about 385,000 people and uh, has a university that consists of uh, engineering, uh, geophysics, um, chemistry, law, law we know we have the medical, medical faculty, and um, uh, has over uh, 85,000 students. So it's a very young, vibrant city, uh, a great place to grow up in. But I think the only thing that Calgary typically gets uh, recognized for all the time is it is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's hometown. Not Calgary, Graz. Graz. You said Calgary, Ricky. Oh, did you say Calgary? <laughs> well, I guess Calgary is my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, it is like, you know, Midnapur was, uh, was not part of Calgary um, 50 years ago. Uh, there's a little community called Tal, T-H-A-L, uh, which is now part of Graz. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was born there, and so it's now part of the city. So our claim to fame is that the Terminator, uh, or the Governator, uh, is... Uh, is there a statue there? Uh, no, there, uh, there's no statue anywhere. I think uh, if he got the, the soccer stadium named Oh, okay. So it's sure. Sturmkatz, yeah, yes. okay. I know you're a soccer fan. Uh, what can I do? So, um, you know, you just mentioned that every Austrian kid was born, is born with skis on it. So was that the major sport you were kind of growing up? Um, well, I, it was a huge part of growing up for us as a family, skiing and as a sport. For me, I have to honestly tell you, I wasn't good enough to uh, get into racing, even though I had ambition to do it. But it, it's... <clears throat> It's like getting into NHL for a Canadian kid. It's a it's an elusive dream for many, and uh, my skiing was not at the level that I made it into uh, even a provincial team. But uh, we skied lots, and then my second uh, big sport that I grew up with uh, was soccer, and then football, F football, <laughs> football. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, that was your kind of uh, main focus uh, in, in school was soccer, football. Yeah, uh, soccer, skiing, and then I, I, I like any sport, everything you can possibly think of. And uh, I was on the swim team, on the track team, um, I played volleyball, and uh, then in, in my university years, uh, I gravitated to track and field. Mm -hmm. That was my passion. Which one, which part of the track and field? Well, running, uh, and so I was a 400 and 800 meter runner. Oh, wow. Um, I have a question for you. It's very common here in North America to see, uh, you know, young kids, um, and we can say young kids because both of us are uh, above 50. Yes. <laughs> uh, that get a job after, uh, you know, school, after hours. Like, yes. Is it common in Europe? Did you get a job where you were 
teenager or it was just school and sports? No, it was school and sports. And uh, what is very typical though, that in the summer, when you have school break, uh, that you get a summer job. But uh, while you're going to school to work is is a, is, is a uncommon uh, situation for young kids or teenagers. And uh, I see. Um, any enter- other entrepreneurs in your family? Your parents, your brothers, sisters? Um, well, I know one brother. I don't know if you have uh, more. Yes, I have. Well, I have. Um, so my uh, younger brother, Alex, is obviously Opus, the CFO. And so together uh, we run Opus. Um, my twin brother, uh, Christian, or Christian, uh, he lives in Austria, in Graz, and uh, he now runs the family business that was started by my father together with his father. And my grandfather was also an entrepreneur, and he um, was a partner in the business, and he sold his stake and rolled his interest into the business venture that my father started uh, last November 50 years ago. And it's still there, and it's still running. What kind of business is it? It's a conglomerate of companies. Uh, it's real estate, industrial gas, manufacturing, steel, and... Um, I see, so you're a third generation entrepreneur. Uh, I am, yes. And you see your oldest 12-year-old or 14-year-old as the, the fourth generation? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be the oldest, but uh, if <laughs> one, one of them if one of them is interested in has a keen interest, then yeah, I would... I guess I would be very proud and delighted to see him take over the, the family business, yes. And um, how did you get into law? Was that kind of the family tradition or you liked it or how did you get to law? <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, two things. I think you, you mentioned uh, family tradition and uh, whether I liked it. So yes, it's family tradition. And uh, no, my, uh, my, my grandfather already uh, was a lawyer by training that became an entrepreneur. My uh, father uh, has a doctorate in law. My twin brother has a doctorate in law and a PhD in law. So you said your younger brother, Alex, is... He also has a PhD in law, he's a lawyer. Uh, and uh, my twin brother uh, has a doctorate and a PhD in law and, uh, and an I. I didn't really like law at all, but everybody told me, um, you know, it, it's a solid foundation for whatever else you want to do in life later on, and uh, that's the best thing for you to study. So um, I studied law, but I honestly have to say I never had a real passion for it. I'm, uh, I, I was always more a, a, a doer and uh, trying to figure out how to get things done. So you done. don't have a doctorate and you don't have a PhD in law? No, I'm... I, so I, you're I, the black sheep of the family? Definitely. <laughs> Not smart enough. <laughs> so, so I wonder how does it go around the table, the dinner table? <laughs> well, I, I, I try to get my word in. <laughs> I see. You need a lawyer yes. <laughs> to get your word in. Uh, so we reached our first commercial break, Hannes. As you know, we have to take some commercials. Yes. Um, and I encourage our listeners to open a new tab and go to www.opuscorp.ca. Go to the project gallery page, check the many projects that Opus Corporation developed over the years. And we will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. (laughs) 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest, uh, Hannes Kovac, uh, President and CEO of uh, Opus Corporation. So, Hannes, in 1995, uh, you decide to leave Europe. So, what made you make such a big decision to leave Europe and move to Canada? Well, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a young man, I don't think you, you one day wake up and say, I'm going to leave uh, forever or for a long period of time. So, what I did is I, I, I had a one or two year plan. And uh, my intentions were absolutely to go back to Austria. And, uh, well, obviously, my plans changed. <laughs> so so where, where in Canada did you land? Well, at first, uh, I started out in Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, there was a, you know, it has a very big German-slash-Austrian community. Uh, Frank Stronach, the founder of Magna, is actually 20 minutes from a little town, 20 minutes southwest uh, from Graz. And his name was Franz Strohsack. And, uh, and uh, so he founded Magna and Kitchener Waterloo. So there was Austrians, there was people from our region, some relationships. And uh, so I, I had somebody that said, well, I can give your, I can give your son a job, basically. And uh, um, so I contacted a whole bunch of contacts the family had and uh, started to work out there. I didn't really like Kitchener Waterloo. And uh, I have to apologize to Jeff Fielding, the general manager of 
of the city of Calgary because he's from Kitchener and uh, he, he, he ran Kitchener, uh, the city of Kitchener for a number of years. Anyway, I, my personal opinion was, no, it was not for me, so I moved to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Vancouver a lot. I still think Vancouver is a fantastic city. Um, we, uh, Vancouver and I had, 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 a, had a great time, um, but the economy uh, back in, uh, in, the, in the late 90s was not the best in British Columbia. And uh, so when I got laid off uh, from my first real office job uh, as a property manager, uh, I came to Calgary because supposedly there was opportunity in Calgary and uh, I came here for a job interview uh, at Opus and it was in uh, that was uh, in, and I moved to Calgary in November of 97 and I started working at Opus as at, what? what was your first position? Uh, assistant to the president oh wow uh, and um, you kind of uh, worked there and Went through different positions, I guess. Yeah, I I was curious. I was uh, eager to learn. Uh, I was a quick study, I think. And uh, so whenever whenever asked, I think too many questions. What I think should be done, would be done differently, or could be done differently. They they, they said to me, "Well, if you think you can do it differently and better, like why don't you just do it?" Go ahead. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> um, you know, the, our, my, uh, the show is all about entrepreneurship, taking care of business. And and I want to jump straight into 2008. So in 2008, uh, you decide to buy the company. It's the global recession. Everybody is running away, for, running for the hills, and Hannes decides, no, 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 that's a good time for me to buy a company. So share with us, like, why did you think that during the global recession, it's the right time for you to buy a construction company? Well, um, th- th- there was a number of reasons that came together, but you know, if, um, if things go tough, it's easy to buy something. Uh, Opus, uh, it's easier or cheaper? <laughs> it's both. So I think the main the main reason was really just economics. Um, I, I I had a I had a vision and um, I thought Opus could be more than a construction company and uh, we can be a fully integrated real estate services business offering property management, construction, and development services. And uh, in 2008, you couldn't shrink fast enough to make a profit. So the company uh, was on target to lose a whole bunch of money. My partners at the time uh, had gone through the uh, recession in the 1980s and uh, they had a very pessimistic outlook. And uh, so I said, well, you know, rather than shutting it down and shrinking it down to something and basically eradicating, in my opinion, a whole bunch of value, like I buy it. So I guess they were happy to uh, get somebody if, to write them a big check for something that was losing money. So, um, you know, when you go through a process like this, did you have any kind of advisors, mentors, people that were trying to stop you from doing it? It's not the right time. You know, you should wait and see how the company does. It's, 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 it's tough time. Well, I think the... The naysayers. Yeah, I didn't have any naysayers. Um, I think... Um, my, at the time, uh, uh, forum partners in the entrepreneurs organization were probably the most important uh, sounding board uh, for me. And, uh, you know, people like uh, Myron and Troy and Brett and, uh, and Mike, 
and uh, and th th we just sat around the table like I sit together with you here and uh, they asked me why do you want to do this and why do you think it's the right idea and uh, I, I was just answering questions somebody else took notes and then uh, they gave me a summary of what I said back and the answer was right there uh, I really really wanted to do this uh, it was my my vision my dream and uh, they said you have a huge passion for this. If you don't do it now, you may never be able to do it, and uh, so go for it. So you felt you felt you're already able and willing. Uh, as the law, as the law professional uses this phrase. Yes. Um, well, I, I thought I could do it. Yes, I had the confidence to do it, and obviously it was a, a huge financial risk for me at the time as a. As a, as, a, as a partner in a, in a company and as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a young man. But uh, I, I talked it over with my wife and I said, here's what I'd like to do and here's how option A is, this goes great. Option B doesn't go so great. <laughs> and what does that mean for us and, and our family? I mean, we, had, uh, we already had uh, um, our three boys and, you know, it, 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 there was more at stake, you know, responsible for her family and your wife and your kids and uh, and I gambled so to speak and uh, but she's she she was very supportive uh, she was amazing actually and she she said you know what I know you she still is right yes <laughs> <laughs> just being politically correct on the right things please please <laughs> yeah no she still is amazing but she was an amazing supporter and my biggest supporter at the time because she said to me you know um, you can do this and I believe in you and that, that was really all I needed to push me out the door every day in the morning. <laughs> so you were working at the company, you were a partner at the company. I was a minority partner. Minority partner, you were VP of... Uh, no, I had become president and CEO. Oh, president and CEO, right, correct. And then during this, you started the process of negotiations. Did it create a little bit of tension in the office? Um, no, I think what happened was more, it was a very sudden uh, development. Uh, the the majority partners uh, against my recommendation, but if you're a minority partner, you don't have a say. <laughs> um, and you know how that feels. Um, they, they decide to uh, lay off a whole bunch of people, and uh, so I had, I had, I had weeks to a analyze, think about what I'd like to do, and then go back and actually tell them that I, I, uh, I want to take it over. So uh, there was a, then, then it came down to the legal world and uh, I knew how to structure the deal in the right way and shape and form and, you know, how to roll over assets from yeah. one entity to the next and all this kind of thing and trademark and, and uh, but the, the most important thing was the people. And so before I even wrote a check, um, I talked to all the people that I knew would be part of uh, my vision for Opus. And I said, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, I can't make any promises. I think together we can be successful. Here's the reason why. And, uh, you know, you, you have to make a decision. Do you want to be on board? Do you want to be part of this team? Um, and if uh, you are, then, uh, you know, sign your name on, uh, on the sheet and you get an employment offer. And if not, then, you know, uh, you will be dealt with fairly yeah. and equitable considering the circumstance that the layoffs are coming. And uh, every single person 
that I wanted on my team back then actually signed up. And I think that was a big reason why we became successful. So you, you mentioned two words that I want to kind of uh, elaborate a little bit. So you, you mentioned the word vision, my vision, and you, were, you had weeks. So during those weeks that you kind of saw where the company is going and you started building your uh, idea, did you build a whole business plan, a mission vision for the new Opus under uh, Hannes, or you kind of said, you know, what we have is good enough, I just need to change a few things? Well, no, it was, it was a combination of factors. So the first thing was that I had tried to advocate uh, prior uh, to the old partners the founding partners uh, uh, that uh, I think we needed to change what Opus was and how Opus was operated and uh, with very limited success. So it, it, the, the vision uh, for what the company could be or should be didn't develop over, over weeks uh, or days, it was over years and it, it was between being vice president of operations and then becoming president and CEO. And so 2006, when I was president and CEO, I had a ground vision and the plan that I shared with everybody, including myself, I presented to the board, which was a board of three. So it was very informal, but I said, you know, I have big goals and big ambitions for this company and here's what we need to do. And everybody thought that it was great as long as uh, it didn't require check writing and made money. When the table turned and it turned out that uh, everybody was losing money, including Opus, um, my, my, my vision was suddenly no good. And so what I wanted to do is to say, okay, I still believe this is the right thing to do. And uh, I got control over the entity and I became the sole owner and uh, pressed on implementing my vision. And it took me a couple of years to actually get there. When I um, took over uh, the control of Opus, uh, Opus was not uh, offering property management mm -hmm. and um, I thought that was a part that was missing of our service offering and the biggest differentiator was that Opus was not offering its development or construction expertise to third parties who we were um, a merchant or boutique uh, development firm doing our own projects and I felt that you needed to be competitive in the marketplace with your services then if you want to do your own project, you know that you're doing it right and you're doing it at a competitive price. And so that that, that was already it. So it was not. So you buy the company, you're now the sole owner. What was the first priority after every, every, all the legal documents were signed and the check traded hands? Uh, the number one priority was, uh, you know, we had we had a balance sheet that uh, on the one side had a whole bunch of red numbers and then we on the other side there was a, an empty piece of paper so we needed to make sure we put lots of black numbers on the other side and uh, to work through the startup phase and uh, make it uh, positively cash flow so the number one priority was get get business in the door um you know you bought a company that um, one of the, the guy that was at the top of the helm for many years, Will Dolasa, was uh, well known in our community and in the Calgary business world. Um, Opus was known. It, you didn't buy a company, you didn't start a company, or you bought already a company that existed for a good chunk of years. Um, so, what was the message that you sent to the community, to the business community, once you took over and it was your responsibility from now on? Um, I actually, we, we completely stayed silent on that um, because, you know, I'd become president and CEO of the company in 2006 
So, um, you know, the transaction, I think, closed uh, in early February. Opus Corporation, or the current entity, started with uh, the employees and owning the trademark uh, for the name Opus and all that in February 2009. So for a good period in between, I was already, you know, the recognized leader, the face of the company, and who owns the company and who is a shareholder and who isn't, you know, like, I, I don't think that's typically discussed. And I definitely didn't have any big desire or ambition to tell everybody that I own it solely now because it didn't really matter. What mattered is uh, what Opus could do. And the difference of the new Opus was that uh, we were offering our services to interested third parties, but ownership was was never part of any of the discussions. Other than the, uh, uh, as you mentioned, it was as we mentioned earlier, it was a recession time. Other than the red red uh, numbers on one side, uh, what was another challenge that you faced after you bought the company? Well, I think the second uh, challenge was to um, you know grow and uh, find the right people and hire the right people. And uh, you know you're an entrepreneur yourself, David. So you 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 know from your own experience, if you uh, we need to go over, uh, uh, from John to Road, uh, to Road and Berkeley Street, and you build that into powerhouse in the local uh, real estate market. So as a brokerage firm, I think it's the same thing. Uh, you yourself can only do so much, and if you surround yourself with the right people, uh, a lot of exciting and. and great things can happen and so finding the right bodies and get the right team that is the number one challenge. Um, I have one more question before we have to take the second commercial break. Um, we talked about mission, vision, purpose. Are they today the same as they were when you bought? How often do you kind of visit those and adjust them or are they good for the last 20, 30 years? Well, I think the, the vision for Opus and uh, our core values um, uh, are applicable through good times and bad times. Uh, since 2014, obviously, we've come uh, through another uh, phase of bad times. And uh, our, uh, our mission and our values have not changed at all. I think what needs to change is, uh, you know, your business model, you need to adjust to the reality or you need to uh, offer different services or go into different markets and that type of thing. But the fundamentals of the company are the same uh, since I wrote that check. <laughs> <laughs> the check keeps up coming all the time during this interview. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, it, anyway, we, we, uh, we live in the future, not in the past. It was, uh, it was a it was a challenge, um, and it didn't go exactly the way I had envisioned it and planned. But uh, we look at it today: an amazing office in a great location. Uh, even the coffee is great. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. Every host that I get to be to visit their office have good coffee. Uh, we reached our second commercial break. Once again, during our commercial break, I encourage you, our listeners, to open a new tab at opuscorp.ca and check their current projects under development. Uh, we will be back following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back for the home stretch of, our, of today's shows. Uh, t- today's show, taking care of business, with my guest Hannes Kovac, president and CEO of Opus Corporation. Hannes, before we went on the uh, commercial break, I asked you about the mission, vision, and um, I know you know it as the owner. But you have now almost fifty employees, if I'm correct, or more. Yes. Do most all know the mission, vision, purpose of Opus Corporation? How do you take it from a nice poster on the wall and bring it to the office? Yeah, um, that's one of those other big challenges. <laughs> uh, we, 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 uh, we, we have you know, regular staff meetings and, uh, and uh, different divisions meet internally regularly. And uh, we do lunch and learns and uh, you know, lessons learned and reviews. And, uh, and I think the... You have to kind of re-emphasize and remind people over and over again uh, what the goalpost is and why we're doing what we're doing. And, and uh, so you are the champion, or you have other people to champion those? No, I'm not championing by myself. I have a senior leadership team, and uh, they are championing um, um, with me or uh, within their groups. Like each division is led by a different individual. Yeah. So property management, development, and construction each have a lead. Or a senior manager, and um, and he's responsible for, on the quotation marks, uh, uh, you know, being the cheerleader. And uh, so, so now that you grew and and um, you have different departments, as you said, the different division leaders, uh, share with us the decision making process now for Opus. Uh, is it? What do you mean? I mean, is it Hannes? No. Is it? A vote? Is it? What is the decision process you make to to go to the next project, to go to the next bid, to to? Um, well, I mean the the so we we have uh, you know we have we we have a deal matrix for example, and uh, we have uh, decision making criteria, and so every senior manager um, uh, has the authority to make the decisions that fall within those guidelines. So then, not, not every deal comes back to me. And uh, I'm always happy to talk and uh, be a sounding board. And uh, sometimes I find it's almost 
being more a sounding board than you know they want me to make the decision and uh, I encourage people to I give people lots of rope and to hang themselves <laughs> <laughs> no but <laughs> hopefully not right so far no I mean I, I you know, it can be interpreted in both ways <laughs> Yeah, so far, no, no, no hanging, uh, <laughs> not the wood here. Um, no, they, they make the decisions. Uh, they feel empowered to make decisions. And, uh, you know, if, if they think they want to bounce something off me, they come back and, uh, and, and talk about it. Uh, if they want to do something that falls outside the established decision matrix, then obviously it comes back to me. But, uh, you know, from your uh, entrepreneurial experience, uh, you know, this uh, CEO, <coughs> Uh, is really the wrong title because I think a more appropriate description for uh, uh, the CEO or you know the, the senior leader of uh, of an organization really should be uh, the you know the chief uh, problem solver or the the chief uh, uh, I call it CMO chief morale officer yeah chief morale officer chief uh, chief solutions officer because if they know what to do they don't come to you right yeah if it's really quirked up and complicated and they don't know what to do then it ends up on your desk going back to what you said uh, uh, earlier about your meeting when you made a decision to buy the company you said you had a meeting a sounding board of four people from the uh, entrepreneur organization I think it was or president and, and and I want to kind of connect this to your last sentence when you said they come to you to solve problems so when they come to you to solve a problem do you solve the problem or you become the sounding board and get them to find the, uh, the solution well ideally you try to be the sounding board and they come up with the solution themselves and then they walk out of the uh, uh, walk out of your office uh, feeling relieved that it's solved and uh, all you really did is uh, listen <laughs> um, and ask questions and ask questions and sometimes uh, sometimes you by asking questions uh, you know you, you you turn the switch or you know the light goes on that type of thing and then sometimes because you have a different experience or you you have a new perspective uh, you you make a suggestions but in nine out of ten cases it's the listening and asking the questions that solves the issue. So a few years ago, your younger brother joined you. Yes. And how's working in a family environment working for you guys? Um, well, I think uh, you should ask him. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to his office after that. No, I think, um, you know, Alex, uh, you know, it, 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 it's fantastic if you can work with your brother. Um, you know, I, I, I can trust him 100%. He knows how I think. Um, like talking about, uh, like he, he has taken on so much responsibility and taken on uh, such a big role within the company that, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it, it allows you skiing, snorkeling, diving, scuba diving. Yes. <laughs> All of those. So that's why you brought him. No, um, uh, he actually came not with intent to work with me or for me. Uh, he came with intent, just like I, uh, for a year. And, uh, and uh, he was looking at different uh, job opportunities and couldn't really uh, decide what he wanted to do. And then I said, you know, until you know what, which way you want to go or what you think is the right fit, um, you know, why don't you just you know, do this project here or help me out with, uh, with, with, with this issue. And before you knew it, he, he hit the, the, round, uh, the ground running and uh, he, he 
he he thrived and uh, you know I said okay well just like me so do you want to do this because you think you can do it and you can do it better like go do it and he he he's he's a hard worker he's smart he's fast he's a quick study and he executes well and uh, at, at, at an amazing level so it was easy to just give him more responsibility do you guys hold the judge accountable yeah yeah how do you do that in, uh, around the dinner table or no um usually in the office uh like he would just you know he would just call call it what it is and like if he thinks something is wrong uh, even in a meeting uh, he would just speak up and say hey uh, sorry I think you're forgetting this or why, <laughs> why why don't you think about it this way or why don't you consider you know that other perspective and um, the other way around so no it's uh, it's a privilege to work with your brother and uh, especially somebody that and we always talk about it because he has a has has um, has a similar background, obviously, and it comes from the legal world. So I think what law really uh, is 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 my 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 grandfather and my father both were right in a sense. It teaches you to be able to be very precise and accurate. And uh, and if you have the right mind, you know you can still elevate yourself. To thirty thousand feet and make the right strategic decisions, but then you can go back down into the weeds and figure out all the little details and make sure that you consider all the little, you know, numbers and and and, and the contracts and all that type of thing. And and I think that that was probably the biggest advantage of the uh, legal training, uh, the enormous amount of uh, information you learn. Uh, to digest and then distill it down into strategic decisions. Now, when I get mad at my family, I switch to Hebrew from English. When you get mad or he gets mad at you, is it in English or German? I always speak German to German. <laughs> I see. It's uh, also it's also more polite for other people in the office. <laughs> not to understand what's going on, I guess. Um, you know, when an entrepreneur uh, buys a company, uh, starts a company, whatever the case may be, Nobody thinks about recession or cycle. Everybody sees the mountain, I'm going to conquer the mountain, I'm going to the peak of the Everest. And then November 2014 hits us and we get in probably worse than 2010. It was just a local, we were an island of a recession. How did you manage to weather this storm, which were People say we're recovering, but we're not out completely. We're still recovering. So how did you manage those two and a half years with a growing company, with, with projects under undergo as, as, a, as a service provider, a third party, or your own projects? Um, well, I, I, like we just faced the reality, right? So in, just in the fall of uh, 2014, um, I think there was a there was a sentiment. Well, you know, Calgary has always seen this, and it's going to bounce back real quickly. We bounce back real quickly, like we did in the recession that was triggered through the uh, mortgage meltdown in, in the United States. And uh, uh, this time, though, it was different. So, uh, you know, this is year number four, and I think in our first year, uh, we had we were lucky. We had a little bit of hangover, uh, but then our uh, revenues dropped off a cliff. And uh, it comes down to, in good times, you know, uh, the company writes you checks 
and in bad times uh, you write checks to the company. So I think that's the first principle uh, that you have to be conservative and you have to you know put your company uh, on solid footings and uh, you have cash reserves. And so we we did what everything else did. I think it was a race to the bottom. You know, margins compressed uh, drastically in in, uh, in the entire service industry and. You know, when uh, architects went out for uh, tender calls and they would get, you know, two or three year or three or four companies to submit a bid, uh, you had uh, eight to 12 companies show up uh, and submitting unsolicited bids. And then, uh, so that was 2015. Then um, we realized in, uh, you know, two thirds through the year that we can't really win a race to the bottom because you, if you can't make any money, then uh, you know why bother? So uh, we had to find uh, the unique skill set that uh, where we are better than somebody else, and really, really just focus on that, and uh, you know, drown out all the noise and all the uh, you know the, the pressure that you're under. To a certain so, degree. what is the uniqueness of Opus? Uh, the uniqueness of Opus is our fully integrated service approach. Um, you know, we if you if you hire us as a builder you get uh, an owner's perspective. I mean, you can see that slogan all over our, our webpage. So the owner's perspective really is, we build for you as if we would build for ourselves. And so we ask questions uh, that are, uh, another builder wouldn't ask of the architect, of the consultant, of the owner, of our client. Uh, what's the intent of the building? Uh, are you thinking about uh, selling this? Are you thinking about retaining this? And how do you want to retain it? Uh, and all these types of things uh, flow into uh, some of the things we do uh, when we build a project. And so in 2015, like I said, revenue fell off a cliff, uh, raced to the bottom. 2016, uh, we focused on uh, what we're good at and where we excel and where we, can, where we can beat our competitors. And I'm proud to say in 2017, uh, we more than doubled our revenues compared to 2016. That's great. And, uh, so we are, in, we are in recovery, I guess. Uh, I think we are. Um, I think uh, there's a new reality Calgary has. Uh, we have, uh, you know, if you look at the facts and the numbers, uh, and I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, don't, you can't make business decisions with emotion. Uh, so look at your numbers and know your numbers. And, you know, I, I do the same thing in our economy here. And if, if I look at, uh, capital spending in our in our in our dominant industry, which still to this day is uh, oil and gas, uh, is still at low at you know historically low numbers. Uh, if you look at uh, job creation, albeit there is job creation, uh, what type of jobs are being created? And they're not the jobs that were lost. They are there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, part-time jobs and uh, different types of jobs that are being uh, awarded in Calgary. And I think the biggest thing is you look at the demographics. Calgary used to grow by 40, 50,000 people uh, a year and, uh, you know, nobody could keep up with the demand and, uh, like you said, you know, let's get to the top of Mount Everest was the goal now. I think uh, 2015 we lost people, 2016 it was a little bit and then for 2019 our new normalized growth is going to be 12 to 14,000 people coming here. So if you compare it to 40 to 50, uh, it's still Canada-wide, uh, we're one of the fastest growing cities in all of Canada, but uh, it's a new reality. Hannes, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, very lonely at the top. Do you have a business coach, a life coach? Do you work with or just the two organizations that you're part of are your kind of uh, where you share 
the stuff that you don't want to share in the office. Um, it is very lonely on the top, and uh, I, I am currently not active in the business forum. Um, I uh, I like to think when I when I do my sports, and that gives me time to you know analyze and, and strategize. But I I uh, I don't like to talk about myself, so I'm. Uh, I'm a little bit of a lone wolf uh, with respect to that, but I I fell into triathlon uh, a number of years ago, and uh, as you know, it takes a little bit more time. And uh, so when I swim, uh, cycle, or run, um, I have time to think, and, uh, and and usually it's it's that getting away and and calming myself down and just being uninterrupted, able to think for an hour or two that makes me come back with a new idea, a new perspective, and then and just push forward. Did you, uh, growing up in Austria, did you try uh, the ski jumps as well? No. No. Okay, so I'm going to take you on a virtual ski jump now to 2030. Where do you see Opus in 2030? Let's jump to 2030. Oof. Uh, well, I think... I, I didn't promise you an easy question. Yeah, like... Um, I think we see... I see Opus as a, as a constantly growing um, uh, business. Um, I think uh, I would I would like to see it uh, grow in numbers and not so much in bodies. So I would like to increase the size of each project that we do, rather than you know hiring more people to do uh, do a hundred one million dollar project. I'd much rather do ten ten million dollar projects and uh, and keep keep the unique uh, family like atmosphere that we have here between our staff. We have lunches together in our kitchen where we all talk and. Um, you know we have uh, uh, we have karaoke uh, uh, nights uh, or spontaneous uh, singing or dancing competitions uh, happening, and uh, it's nice to know everybody on a first name basis and uh, you know know about their families and that type of stuff and and uh, that familiarity uh, allows you to do amazing things together because you are you're close knit unit, and I think if it becomes too big where I don't even know some of the people that you know work for me um, I would lose a little bit of my identity so uh, I don't see us becoming a you know 100 200 uh, employee company um, and uh, I by 2030 would hope that uh, one or maybe all of my sons uh, are working well I think uh, hopefully at that in 2030 I would hope that um, I, I may be a sounding board for them uh, <laughs> and uh, somebody else would run the company and I'm, uh, I'm happily retired. <laughs> Hannes, we have about 30 seconds. Uh, my, Aaron, my engineer, is pressing hard. Um, what is one piece of advice as an entrepreneur you will give to a new entrepreneur? Never give up. Believe in yourself. Number one thing, you can literally will things to happen. Just don't give up. So that is Hannes's uh, advice to every new entrepreneur that believes in himself. Hannes, you know, time goes by when you're having fun, and I hope you had fun. I had a lot of fun. I had fun. We reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, I want to thank you for hosting us here. Uh, my guest was Hannes Kovac. President and CEO of Opus Corporation. Thank you for sharing your journey from the Austrian Alps all the way to the Canadian Rockies. Which one do you like better, by the way? 
Uh, Canadian Rockies. <laughs> I hope uh, your family in Austria <laughs> is okay with that. Uh, next week, my guest will discuss cannabis. Or to be more precise, my guest will share uh, with us their experience and efforts to be awarded one of the promised licenses to sell cannabis once it's legalized and regulated here in Canada. I would like to thank my dedicated and pressing engineer, Aaron, uh, of course, Cassandra, our production PR manager, and thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate your growing support. I would love to hear back from you. Uh, please email me at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I will meet you here on voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, February 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.